0: Businesses From somewhere deep in the cloud and the corners of the earth, this is the Killing It podcast with a focus on helping you make sense and dollars of all things IT
1: with your hosts, Dave Sobel, Ryan Morris, and Carl Polichuk. Welcome everybody to episode 120 of the Killing It,
0: Killing Killing
1: it! Podcast. I'm Carl, I'm here with Dave and Ryan and I got to travel. I got on an airplane and I went someplace. And here's the best part about it. At the end, I found myself in the situation of having to teach a class from the hotel room and then immediately, you know, pack things up and head to the airport. And it felt completely normal. See? It's the the
0: the real life example of working from
1: everywhere. The the trip wasn't for business, but I had a little business to do while I was there. So see, See?
0: I had such a like a old-fashioned
2: July 4th holiday weekend. Guys, kid you not, we went to fireworks and Sharon and I rode our bikes. (laughs) Like like, (laughs) like kids, like we hopped on our bikes and we rode up to the school and we saw it like at the local high school. It was Totally like Americana small town feel in our little big city area. And it was just such a Fun extreme for it. That
0: that is that is one fantastic way to get back to the real world one little step at a time, right? See, Carl, you uh, you've finally been back out into the world beyond the like the grocery store distance away from your house. So right. uh, how did, how did you find the people and the 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 personalities were it were it, were people? Like
1: said, it, it was basically very, very normal. I mean, you know, you had to wear a mask in the airport and on the airplane, but uh, the hotel, everything was open. Walking up and down, so I, I went to Nashville. So walking up and down Broadway, that you know nobody had masks on, and uh, they they shut down Broadway and put a stage at the end that was you know as wide as the entire street. So uh, it was all just just plain fun. It was see, an, fantastic. and fantastic, great fireworks over
0: the river. So see, fantastic up here up here in the Pacific Northwest, we were. A week prior, we were 110 degrees. This weekend, we were, I don't know, the high was about 77 at night. It was about 57 degrees, and for fireworks, you just bundle up and stand on your deck outside your house and watch all of the natives pretend like it's a an active battle scene i think that uh, everybody who saved up their money from last year not really doing fireworks oh the the municipal displays okay they were cool it was the hundred thousand people that were lighting things off from their driveway that you right. could see from above the trees quite an impressive somebody display. on my local
1: neighborhood website Made a comment that I think this year the fireworks were buy one get fifty six thousand for free. <laughs> Everyone just wanted to blow stuff up.
2: <laughs>
0: oh yeah, they they were they were just kind of cleaning out their karma here and uh, and resetting their chi by blowing some shit up, and I think it worked. <laughs> I feel I feel refreshed. It's good to go. <laughs> exactly. and here we are, back again.
1: Reality well, is is slowly returning.
2: Well, this week we are brought to you again by our friends at Acronis. Are you still relying on a frustrating patchwork of legacy solutions? Modernize your cybersecurity and data protection with Acronis CyberProtect Cloud. It's a single solution that combines backup, anti-malware, and endpoint protection management. As an MSP, you can easily improve client security posture, eliminate complexity, and generate more recurring revenue. Learn more about Acronis CyberProtect Cloud at
1: Acronis.com and I, I actually want to jump in before we start talking about our first topic to just say, Ryan has said multiple times that we are never going to run out of topics, but we did. There is nothing to talk about in technology today. <laughs> exactly. Coming Sorry. off the July 4th weekend, it seems like nothing happened. So, it's
0: is- summertime and, <laughs> and we're all just taking a break. We're relaxing on a beach somewhere or... Well- Or a large number
2: of MSPs are scrambling due to the Kaseya incident. Now, a quick recap for those that may somehow missed this uh kaseya a major supplier of msp tools was breached by the reval gang uh suspect allegedly on july 2nd it started happening in that afternoon they quickly took down their cloud infrastructure and advised all msps to take down their on-premise infrastructure as well uh, roughly fifty or so MSPs were hit by a ransomware attack, impacting about a thousand endpoints. Is the current estimates as it goes. as As we are recording this, they are still in the mop up phase and have not fully brought everything back online. Hopefully, by the time this drops, they'll be back to normal. If you want full details of that, you can catch it over on the Business of Tech or all of the all of the channel news, folks. You can yeah. dig into the story. For us. I think we wanna talk a little bit more about the implications uh, because it, 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 from my perspective, it seemed like, wow, there's a lot of surprise about this. <laughs> uh, you know, guys, I'll throw it to you before I weigh in, weigh in on, on mine. What, what were your takes coming off of this particular weekend?
1: I have to say I had no surprise. Um, it, it was interesting that it was suddenly the biggest and, you know, when, you, when you're when you leaping up uh, literally a year ago, no one would have thought of a $70 million payout. Um, but there's so many pieces of this. And you, when you talk about like people who haven't heard of it, if this wasn't your RMM and nobody from your RMM said, don't worry, you're safe, you could have just not known about it and gone about your weekend. So.
0: Well, and I think what's amazing is it's not just, the channel media that's talking about this. It's not just the technology industry. In fact, I got a kick out of how many different mispronunciations of the word Kaseya that I've heard in (laughs) the last week uh, uh, as the mainstream media struggles to describe what we take for granted as a software company that sells tools to these other companies and we don't understand it, but they are somehow attached to the end users and and oh no, the sky is falling and, and we're all, you know, it's cats and dogs sleeping together. Um, Again, insiders know that this is unfortunately, brutally not a surprise, but the outsiders are brutally well aware of it now. The fact that we're again reordering the historical lists of largest ever no no this one's the largest ever that's not a good sign and it doesn't create a ton of credibility for us in our industry but Carl I think you've made the point before that I want to make sure all of our audience really embraces actively now don't don't just think about it do something about this you may not have been hacked your customers may be perfectly safe Your industry tripped and fell on its face and your reputation is now damaged or bruised because of it.
1: I've heard several people on radio shows before this talking about the solar winds thing and saying just casually with like complete ignorance of how the world works, well, they obviously weren't very good at what they do. And I can imagine similar kinds of analysis from non-technical media for this event. And it's like, okay, I'm not sure that, that there's a direct correlation between being a victim of this attack and not being good at what you do. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that people say, well, go pick another RMM. Cause I think all of the RMMs personally, I believe have been infected at this point. And it's just a race to determine, uh, will they find it before it gets triggered? And there was actually some speculation uh, on the day that this is being recorded today that they thought that they were going to get found out and that's why they triggered it when they did.
2: Well, yeah. So, so they, there was a, a detail that they, uh, the Kaseya had actually just dis- been this breach, uh, I- issue had been reported to them by a set of security researchers. They were in process of working on the zero day repair when they were breached. And it could be that race. Look, I I'll, I put, um, I'm going to, I've been thinking about this cause I don't want to do just hot takes, right? Like I'm trying to give it some actual thought, when I try to put this in context, I've been doing some research on this. You know, This isn't Kaseya's first ransomware-related incident. This is, by my count, at least their third ransomware-related issue for, for Kaseya. Uh Connectwise has two, at least, that I've tracked on. WebRoot had one. Ninja has got one. Like, so, Carl, your statement of, like, oh, they're in all of them. It's like, well, yeah, and we also know that from evidence, right? From the fact that, right. like, we have actual evidence that says none of
0: this
1: is the first time. Well, and it, it points out something that you've mentioned several times, which is sometimes we find IT professionals spending an inordinate amount of time worrying about their tool set when it's their smallest expenditure, and they all you know go on, which is the best today, which is the best today, like ah. Well, and
2: and the other thing is, is they're also generally assuming that all tools will solve all problems, right? Like that if, that if I buy a tool, and I am now fine. And it's and the element now is like well wait a second are you pausing to actually think about the tools you use as attack vectors? Um, I've been I've been thinking about the 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 debate about RMM and whether or not it's important, and I'll make this sort of statement of like, well we're all actively choosing to install a piece of software with godlike powers that completely centralizes complete control, not only of all of our customers, but all customers of people like us, and puts them all into a single bucket by choice. Like we are actively choosing to do this now. See, and, as, see I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm, I,
0: I believe that is an architectural flaw throughout many layers of the industry, right? I've, I've observed this before that if you run an RMM or a PSA or whatever tool set you run, and then you adopt it as specified in the book, and you run it exactly according to best practice, the way that everybody else in the industry does it, then by definition, your positioning in the industry is, I do what everybody else does exactly the same way they do it. Would you like to buy it from me? Either because I'm a nice guy, or I'm dot, dot, Dot less expensive than everybody else. If standardization is universal, then differentiation is impossible. You have to standardize within your own operation. But that does not mean you have to run the same damn tool as everybody else in the industry the same way that everybody else runs it. I'm with you, Dave. I think... A little standardization is a good thing, but too much standardization might actually become a universal vulnerability.
2: Well, I've started thinking about this one interesting scenario. I've started thinking about the what would happen if I was asked to be an expert witness against an MSP. Like I've been thinking about this as a theoretical to play out this exercise. So I know the MSP industry, I know the the IT architectures. And, And so a lawyer for a customer Sue, suing, and they they bring me in to to ask me questions. And if they asked me what I thought of this toolkit, I'm not sure I could sit here and say, well, you know, it's like the only way to do it, because I don't think that's necessarily true. And I also would would say that, do I think they're all running it correctly? Uh, Probably not. And then I can definitely say like these days, the one I know I could definitively answer is, is if they say, well, if they're running that RMM tool on premise, I could say, oh yeah, they don't know what they're doing. Like that, that <laughs> one, if, if, I was, if, if I was asked to test, but if I'm, and we laugh because it's funny, right? But if I was asked to testify, And they said, do you think that's the right way to do it? I go, no, they're asking for trouble. They are literally asking because they do not have the threat ops operations, the security operations of even their own regular vendors. Like a vendor like Kaseya or ConnectWise at least has enough scale to know something's going on and shut down like like Kaseya did. Where where every little individual provider is literally waiting on the vendor to tell them so i know they're one level down the down there in terms of the of the piece. So i don't think i can in good conscience
1: say, "Oh yeah, they know what they're doing." So this is a great time to remind everybody that whenever you talk about any subject, any there's nothing that's only about one thing. This is a perfect example. This is about many, many things. On one side, I would say I'm a huge advocate. I think RMM is the single most important tool a service manager, a a managed service provider has. So having said that, it must be used correctly. And even more importantly, I'm also a firm believer, you cannot completely prevent these kinds of break-ins. And the people who say, well, I'm I'm gonna switch to a different tool or have no tool, they're still gonna have break-ins. So the questions become, is there a kill switch? Is there a good backup? Is there an air gapped backup? Is there a quick recovery? And that's how I would judge whether or not a managed service provider is competent. Were you back in business in twenty four hours, or was it six months and you lost half so, your day?
2: Carl, I wanna you're the you're the Of the group of us right now, like you've got, you're the one then operationally who would say like this is a key tool. Let me ask you then a pointed question. And by the way, audience, like we're just riffing now too. Um, (laughs) The the would would you now advocate the separation of your security toolkit from your RMM toolkit? So for example, if 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 I had endpoint protection style tools and backup style tools that were separate, that were completely separate from my monitoring tools. Would, would you be advocating that? Because in my simplistic way of thinking about it, if they compromise my RMM, at least I might have a chance of my security tools being separate versus if it's integrated, they could just turn that stuff off.
1: So I hadn't thought about this before, but I actually think that's a great idea. If, if the RMM can't do lots of other things. Now, I will say just for the record, Kaseya was my first RMM. And I would say after all of these years, the single most powerful RMM I've ever worked with.
2: It was it was mine too, by the way.
0: I, <laughs> know, I
1: remember the day that you know we, we had put this one guy, Josh in charge of learning that tool and becoming the, the, the great master. And he said, look, he said, I've set this up so that I can push one button and it will reboot every single machine in our entire company. And he pushes the button and our phones lit up because he had rebooted Every machine, every server, every desktop, every laptop, at every client. So, <laughs> whoops! The power of that tool, and and of course this is that's that's actually an example of the power of a tool in the hands of an amateur, right? Yes, uh, right. Is phenomenal, and so there there really should be some, and I and I think this is the next step in the evolution of RMM is there needs to be these lines that we can draw around it and say, but you can't do this and you can't do that. See and. And
0: now this is where we get into what I believe is the age old debate of a single mothership package that solves all problems versus a separate set of tools that are best in class. Think about this. We grew up in a world where there once was the mainframe, there was the computer to end all computers. And then the pendulum swung and it became client server as we disintegrated the functional pieces of storage and server and network from the overall machine. And then it swung back to the internet and then it swung back to public and private and local and, 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 and individual deployments and all of the things that we do. Our industry is never done with this argument because the pendulum is always swinging. Will it be one integrated set of everything all at once from one vendor or a completely disintegrated set of tools? It's only at the edges that the argument starts to make sense, right? When we get everybody standardized on one mothership set of tools that handles everything, then we all have the same Achilles heel. But once we get out here into a world of completely disintegrated individual best-in-class tools, make a change to one of them in your infrastructure, and oh my God, the ripple effect of how you have to update every other tool and API and integration in your entire stack gets overwhelming. You see, we keep swinging back and forth, back and forth. I would argue the sweet spot, unfortunately, is directly in the middle. There are certain things that make sense to aggregate. And then there are other things that like church and state, man, you should not be having systems monitoring and file distribution
1: capabilities attached to your security. Yeah. I and think that's a bright line. To point about separating out backup from RMM, there should be some tool that's kind of, I guess, uh, equivalent to a two or three factor authentication where if an API is going to address the backup in any way, there needs to be some human interaction that says, you know, I mean, it's literally like two guys at the bottom of the silo with their hand, hands on the keys, right? <laughs> you have to have human interaction in order to let that RMM touch your backup. Well,
2: or, but if I think, if I, and look, I do not want to solve this with a tools discussion. I'm just We're just thinking outside of the principle of separation. That's where I want to go with this. But for example, if I have a tool that can only monitor, that has no ability to actually interact with stuff. It reports things. Sure, a hacker could take that down and give me blind spots, but they would. I would also know I now potentially don't have data coming in. That's an alert itself. If I had one tool that is a monitoring piece, and then I had something else that was enforcing like a security policy, and a separate monitor was watching my security, and then as Carl said, maybe I have another set that is my backup, and sure, I may lose some of my so quote unquote efficiencies by not having a single tool. But you know what I also won't have? I don't know, hackers getting in and destroying everything. <laughs> well, like, see, that's <laughs> the thing. <right?
0: laughs> like, that that's exactly the point where it for in the name of convenience and simplicity and automation, we eliminate all the barriers and all the safeguards that lead to an unfortunate slippery slope, right? This and to your point, Dave, this is not a question of any tool that we use. It is a question of how well you use these tools. I I went golfing over the weekend for the holiday and uh, uh, had a conversation in the pro shop with a man about, you know, which of these new magical pieces of technology we're going to solve all of my problems with golf and I got an answer in a very condescending tone explaining to me the difference between the arrow and the archer and which one is really the problem. And I think that applies here in a very appropriate way. I don't care which tools you use. I don't care how integrated or di- well, I do, right? I have my opinions, but whichever ones you use, if you're not using them correctly, There's no magic button. There is no, I have no responsibility, la la la, being an MSP is easy because I bought a magic set of tools and the vendor took care of it for me and I'm just here to collect the checks. No, you're not. You still have the ultimate point of responsibility for customer interaction
1: and accountability. And I would point out philosophically, I sort of like the idea that there's all these separate things, but the problem is each of them requires an API each API represents another point of entry or a weakness that can be taken advantage of, right? They so you know there there is something about the the integrated tools approach that basically leaves you fewer connections visible from the outside well, world.
2: And, and look, this is all an exercise in balancing risk, right? This is that I mean, and, and I tell you, know, security is the myth. Balancing risk is your piece. You by choosing to go all in for example you are saying i am more com- i'm willing to put more risk on the the vendor on this that then then in exchange for potential simplicity right that's the that's the risk analysis you're taking and i i will i'll tell you my other thing on this is is that like i think the piece that i'm going to start start screaming more and more is is i think people are clinging to twenty-year-old ideas of the way these things work, you know. Again, if if you if you—that's pretty it, common, though. Oh, I mean, to be expected. <laughs> but but it, but if but this is it's this is the time to ask questions. It's the time to re-examine pieces. Particularly, I mean, like, look, post-pandemic, that's shaking up war the work, the security landscape should be shaking up your assumptions about the way you run this kind of business. I've made this statement over and over again. The core value of helping small companies with their technology decisions has not changed. That core value has not changed. The way we go about doing that has. It evolves over time, and you cannot say the sales pitch of, well, you're gonna install this RMM and it's gonna make everything magically better that worked in 2002 is not the same as the one in 2021. But by the way, some of these technologies are 20 years old.
1: You do you think? Be... <laughs> do you think the next step is for tool vendors to have a layer of support that says basically, if you pay this X percentage more, then when something hits the fan, you will have access to our specialized team that's going to hit the ground running and, oh, and help. Oh, we're you all know.
2: we're already there. So I highlighted this in a risk video recently that I did on my YouTube channel. Sentinel One includes insurance. They have a million-dollar policy. I'm thinking right?
1: more about like there's a team. You know, there was a team at Solar Winds. There's a team at Connectwise. A team uh, at Kaseya That basically their job was to get their arms around this as quickly as possible. And then I'm just saying, if there's a level of support where you say, "Hey, I'm a you know I'm a yeah. premium you know I'm a gold sponsor," but I, but I think that only
2: I think that only matters if they have financial incentive for it to work. And that's because because I can sell you something like that, but if I don't have any skin in the game that says, by using this, I am putting my own skin in this game of, we're covering you with this level of insurance or this level of response, there has to be some skin in the game for that. Not just, oh, I have more people.
0: But see, Carl, (laughs) what what you're describing is, What what I've observed over the years, that's the gateway from a direct relationship between the vendor and the customer into a channel distribution model, right? As soon as you introduce the intermediary, there has to be an extra special double secret level of access to the engineers and technical support that is above and beyond anything an end user could access for any price. If you think about it, that is the way that Oracle ran their data Database infrastructure there was levels of support that you could buy and then as a channel partner you could actually talk to the humans who wrote the code in this particular build of the software engineering process and they could help you troubleshoot things that has been true at every mega software vendor who has adapted from a direct to an indirect sales process The weird thing here that I think all of our tools manufacturers need to embrace, they all say things like, we're 100% channel, we are all about the MSP, we are here, except ask who actually writes them a check. It's not the end user. It is the MSP and therefore it is by definition a direct sell to relationship from Kaseya to an MSP, from ConnectWise to an MSP. That is a direct sales model. Now your customers might be resellers, integrators, MSPs and so you wanna talk the language of the channel but you have a direct sales model and what you need is an integrated step, an intermediary who says, all of you who use this tool internally to run your business and provide your services through, you need an extra double secret level of, of access to engineers that other end users cannot get. Not well, only is it effective, but it's worth a hell
1: of a lot of money. Remember that you know the reason that... Uh, Sentinel one is offering this extra support is, and it's really just money. But the reason that they're offering it is long-term they want to make more sales by being the preferred vendor, right? So, um, another way to do that is say, Hey, you know, we've got the emergency response team you have access to if you're a gold, well, or platinum. Well, or Carl,
2: I want to make you, you said something and I wa- I don't want to breeze over it too much. Well, it's just money. Yeah, but that actually makes a lot of things move. Like, oh, I, I mean, like, like,
1: like money like, is... in terms of it, it's not support. It's not actually like you pick up the phone and you say, hey, you know, something's wrong. And they say, oh, sorry, the shit hit the fan. Please hold for three months. We'll get back to you. Well, right. But, but what they're what they're saying in this case is, is well, shit
2: hits, hits the fan. We will write you a check, right? Which Which, as I've alluded to in many security cases, writing a check makes the problem go away like, like I mean, it, it look it does like it you can write a check and the problem goes away. So if someone else is ponying up some money to write a check and the problem goes away, that is of value in the value chain and so like you know and this is where I've, I've been pushing MSPs to think about this is if you're working with a vendor and they are putting in their own skin in the game meaning we will write checks when things go wrong. That has real value, and it is actually kind of unique in the channel right now.
1: So, how many new people people became uh, um, negotiators for ransomware in, in the last weekend? <laughs> it's a, it's, it's now on somebody's website we have to keep track of.
0: Yeah, it is, and see now this is where I'm going to go to kind of another curveball for you guys and see if this makes sense, right? Because, Dave, as you're talking about the tools and the the integration or the disintegration of them and i'm talking about the difference between how capable your tool is versus how well you use it this leads me to that next wave of companies that are not yet msps but look at the recurring business model and go, ooh, that's cool. I wonder how I can get in on that. And I point to the idea of the master MSP. To borrow the telecom industry communication, master agent versus agent, and I have all the head end equipment, and you are a sales and support entity. I see a number of those happening around the MSP industry. What do you think about that model? Of I'll run the back office, all y'all just go be customer facing.
2: Well, so the answer for me is is I've I am the more and more I do this, the more and more I'm liking it, um, because and and I because I will tie this to the economy of scale that some companies like like companies like Amazon and Microsoft get, particularly on a security front, where they just get to the size where they're a nation state all themselves, and they've got the security oomph to be able to watch things that I don't know other, only the NSA is probably watching, right? So, so for me. There are bits of this that I'm just like, yeah, just give that to a bigger company. Just give that to a bigger company. Because, by the way, I don't want to deal in this icky infrastructure level as much. If I can go work on business process outcome stuff that I think is way more valuable. Oh, and by the way, it comes with a little less risk.
1: <laughs> and it's more interesting. Ultimately, and we're essentially out of time, but in a world of outsourcing, the perfect situation is one where you give the chore to whoever is most capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. And if that is some middle person or some super large organization, then that's who should be doing that.
0: Well, and and just one final note then, if you think about this, in a world of 10, 20, 50,000 MSPs, In any large population, there will be a standard distribution along a bell curve of people who are awesome at it and people who suck at it. And therefore, there's a certain amount of our end user population that is trusting that outsourcing to people who suck at basic things in running their technology. (laughs) I think more and more, I'm feeling the energy of that master MSP concept to aggregate some of the back office. Well,
1: that was our first topic for the day. <laughs> <laughs> and our last so and our last, that, that brings us to a close thank you all for your comments and questions keep them coming, tell your friends uh, give us a thumbs up and thank you for listening to episode 120 of the Killing It Killing, Killing it! it
0: podcast thanks for tuning in to the Killing It podcast please share with your friends and tell everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher and all the podcast places. Join us next week and help us keep killing it in the technology business.